Welcome to the Incomplete Podcast, hosted by Kelly. Because if a defense can predict you, a defense can defend you. All I received was a meme of Forrest Gump that said, I may not be a smart man, but I know John Elway is GOAT. The entire. You could see that he's clearly interfering with them. He's grabbing a hold of his jersey. He's, you can even see him tugging on it as fans trying to catch the ball. If you saw me right now, if you and I came face to face, hands are getting too close because no one messes with my Broncos. Strap up and protect those chains. They will have the opposing passes go. So I've been thinking quite a bit while we're doing this. Um, I think we should really change our name from incomplete to Doe Valley Medical. Because with all the injuries that have been going on, that's how I feel this is going to happen. So I want to welcome you all to the Justin Simmons episode 31 of Incomplete, or I guess we're going to call it Doe Valley Medical today. So um, you're going to go get the PhD and me the, the RA or RN or... <laughs> I mean, I'm already in, I'm almost done my teaching degree, so let's hope that I'll just go right back from master's and then, oh, let me go get a doctoral for medical so that way I can be part-time teacher, part-time doctor, help out these Broncos and figure out what is going on with all these injuries. Well, Kelly, the commission has an idea what's going on with all these injuries, but we'll get to that later. Yes. Um, so I figure we would start off like we normally do with challenge flags. Uh- Hold on, everyone. Before the snap, it looks as if the fans have thrown out the challenge flag. I wonder what Kelly and Ty have said that has warranted the challenges in this episode. I hear we didn't get a whole lot this week. I did not get any challenge flags this week. I did get some thank yous for breaking down the... Um defense and trying to explain the scheme and and our problem with tight ends uh we are aware there is a problem with my audio so i want to thank everybody for pointing it out and saying it's really hard to hear you and we're trying to listen and for those of you that tough through the let tough through it and go okay i can still kind of hear you we, we thank you. We are trying to fix it. We've tried different mics. We've tried different places in my house. And um, for some reason, the podcast doesn't like my voice, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> That's such a shame because I've, we get a lot of compliments that they enjoy your laugh. So I'm not <laughs> sure what's going on with that. Um, but yes, we are trying really hard. Um, like I even noticed season one, sometimes I'm in a tunnel. So like I went out throughout this whole pandemic situation. I bought a couple of equipment. Hopefully that helps a little bit, but we do appreciate you guys for sticking with us. And we honestly are really trying to make sure that we can give you the best quality content we can just bear with us. We promise you it'll be well worth it in the end. 
talking about quality content that loss um was not quality content <laughs> well definitely wasn't quality content in the beginning for sure um and from my standpoint i couldn't watch like i probably caught like the three minutes of like the first 20 25 minutes as someone who is like really huge on watching football being a broncos fan on the east coast just is not easy but it's really challenging especially when the team the broncos are playing play on the east coast so it makes a little sense as to why they can't show a pittsburgh game in the philadelphia area but i guess the giants redskins and oh, i'm sorry the Giants football team and the Dallas Cowboys get more priority over the Steelers, despite the Steelers being in the same state where I am. So I spent quite a few minutes being completely angry. I was able to find a way in the end, but I tuned in just to hear about our starting quarterback. So I guess it was kind of a blessing in disguise that I didn't see like the first 20 minutes of the game. So um, I'm back to having the good, bad, and the ugly. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that didn't take long. So we're going to start with the ugly. Ooh. Okay. First, I do not like this stat. This is the ninth 0-2 start for the Denver Broncos in 61 years. Fourth since the merger. In all those 0-2 starts, every single year we had a losing record. Not promising. So let's keep up alive, Broncos country, because any given Sunday, and it's not over till it's over, but wow, that that's I don't have any stats to buoy any of that hope. <laughs> <laughs> right. Man, I mean, history has to be broken at some point, right? Like every right. time an announcer on TV says, oh, these are the different Broncos. They haven't done this for 71 years. The next play, we end up doing that, right? Right. <laughs> so I've put it out there. Now, maybe the same thing will happen. Promote the good juju. That's all I'm going to say about that. Um, yeah, it was, it definitely started real ugly. Um but in a sense, the team did have a chance. Um, but going off that ugly, probably my biggest ugly, and I tweeted about it quite a bit, there's a certain right tackle that is starting that honestly I feel like should not be starting. And, yes, I am okay. talking about Elijah Wilkinson. Okay, before we get to individual – coaching decisions or plays let's get just through the injuries because that was the ugliest part of that game oh, for me so we are out drew lock for three to five weeks with the strange shoulder rotator cuff mm -hmm. um again i don't have a very good stat for this because um I, I can think of some Drew quarterbacks. We got Drew Bledsoe, who got hurt and lost his job. 
there's Drew Brees who got hurt and lost his job. <laughs> and now there's Drew Locke who has got hurt. <laughs> so again, and, and what really scares me about the football karma in this is it was the Denver Broncos who made the tackle that hurt Drew Brees. Now, it wasn't a dirty hit. It wasn't even a flagged play. It's just one of those football things that happen. So it's not like we deserve all of this coming at us. <laughs> yeah. I'm but I got no happy stats. <laughs> um. Because I remember that play very vivid. I believe Drew Brees was actually because he had been strip sacked. I think he was trying to go for the fumble, and that's when it happened. So yeah. So our Drew Lock seven eighteen into the game got hit by Bud Dupree again. It wasn't a dirty hit. It was just a football thing. I'm not claiming anything like that. Um, but we were on a scoring drive, and instead. <sighs> Not only did we fumble, which led to a Steeler touchdown, we lost our quarterback. Yeah. Um, and we'll talk a little bit more about who, in fact, will be starting for us when we go with the preview. But we also lost another big member of our offense. Cortland Sutton. Yep. He tore his ACL attempting to tackle Joe Hayden on the interception. Yep. And we all know what ACL means. It's a death sentence for your season. Yes. And it didn't Terrell Davis tear his ACL attempting to tackle on an interception? Yes. Fourth game of the season, 1999 against the New York Jets. Then we also have lost Drewmont Jones um, for four to six weeks due to a PCL sprain and bone bruise. Now, I've had bone bruises. They hurt. Um, I'm not 100% sure what the PCL does, but apparently it's important. <laughs> I know it's something, something ligaments, but I don't yeah. know. <laughs> so ligaments are important. Um, so that's um so we are now without our quarterback, our wide receiver, our cornerback. Mm-hmm. And, and we, our running back. Yeah. Um, which we'll cover up a little bit later on. It's man, it's our injuries at this point, and then Drewmont Jones is a defensive end. Mm -hmm. Yeah, our injuries at this point could field a football team. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> um, so, yeah, injuries. One of the uglies. One of the uglies. So now, if you want to talk about Wilkinson and how he's a swinging gate at right tackle, go right ahead. <laughs> or pretty much a revolving door. Um we all know the Watt brothers got J.J. Watt, 
We've got TJ Watt. TJ Watt. And then there's another Watt brother. But he's uh, got a normal name. Yeah. Um, or Derek, not Derek. initialed. It's like Dan versus. Derek. I think it's like Derek Watt, maybe? Derek. I, I'm sorry if I messed that name up for you. But yeah, Elijah Wilkinson yeah, was. It is Derek. It's TJ, JJ, and Derek. Yay, got that right. Um, but Elijah Wilkinson was TJ Watt's revolving door for that game. He Wilkinson was just torn apart that entire game. In the first half alone, Wilkinson gave up four. I made sure I counted four of the five first half sacks. So whatever is going on with him, I think Mike Bunchak needs to talk to him and say, hey, you need to play better, and I'm going to help you get better. Um, yeah, he's just not good. Mm-mm. It's just, he's just not being successful. Not at all. Um, that safety was ugly. He, was safety ugly? The safety? Oh, that, the punt, gotcha. Yeah, the yeah. Sam Martin dropped his punt and got hit in the end zone. Yeah, that was... So our special teams as a whole, coverage and return teams, the missed field goal, the safety, none of that was any good. Um, and I don't know who needs to hear this, but I'm going to say it. If you are eight yards deep in the end zone, take a knee. Take a knee. Take a knee. Yeah. I, I, it's football. I can't, you know, I always try to come from NFL players are human. They're athletic. They're competitive. They're trying to be the guy. But there is a reason why some things are football 101. If you need field position because you need points and the kickoff comes to you eight yards deep in the end zone. There is no other choice but to take a knee. Yeah. <laughs> I just, unless you unless you like completely believe in yourself, like what's the point in no, just I know they believe in themselves. I need all my Denver Broncos to believe in themselves. But you have to be football smart too. Right. Yeah, we don't need that. <laughs> yeah, I do honestly think you need to take a knee, especially if it's that deep, because last thing we need is to start at the our own 10 or our own 15 to make it even more difficult for our offense. Take the extra take the 10 extra yards and go from there. Um I saw a whole bunch of missed tackles again. Especially on that last play. 
I agree with you on that one. There were so what I do I do not want to pick on OJ Moutier. Mm-hmm. OJ Moutier, yep. OJ Moutier. And I did learn to say your name, but not for a good reason. <laughs> I know in college that stay standing and hit them with my shoulder out of bounds works. You are at the professional level. You are not going to be able to stop an NFL receiver by just tapping him with your shoulder and hoping he goes out of bounds. Nope. You must wrap up on your tackles. Yes. Also, I can forgive the dropped interception because, like I say, that's why you're a corner and not a wide receiver. If you could catch the balls like that with any consistency, they would have made your receiver. Exactly. Um, but on the next play where you were burned, it's because you stopped running looking for a call halfway through the play. Okay, I'm really glad I missed that one then. Because you, from- with your arms out, looking at the ref while the your receiver is still running, no, 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 no. You would owe Coach Kelly so many extra laps or bleachers or push-ups or something. No. <laughs> yeah. Once again, go back to Pee Wee football. Play to the whistle. Yes. That whistle hadn't blown. You can go later and 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 look at the refs like, oh, no flag? Okay. Or tell your <laughs> coaches to tell the ref. But you, as a rookie? No. No. <laughs> Just flat out, no. Yeah. Um. <laughs> My last ugly is for our coaches. And it ties into Wilkinson and OJ Moutier. Why can't our coaches or why do our coaches just absolutely refuse to make in-game adjustments? OJ Moutier. I I don't blame him because, of course, Rosenberger is going to target the rookie. Right. right? He's the weak link in our chain. Not that he's not great. Not that he won't be, you know, the, the great one day. But but we knew that's where Rosenberger would go. Or anybody with, with half a brain that was conscious knew, well, you know, where's the veteran quarterback trying to get his confidence back because he lost a year of play? Where's he going to go? Who's he going to pick on? Right. Um, we had Bosby. Why can't we send Bosby out a couple times to help him? Or for, you know, a series. Like after he got burned, send him down for a minute. Send Bosby out. Let Bosby, you know, kind of show him, you know, uh, the same with Wilkinson. They sent no help to Wilkerson. Wilkerson's getting burned being a revolving door. 
they didn't sit, they didn't change anything to help Wilkinson. They didn't, you know, shift the other guy so that Wilkinson got, you know, was part of a double team. Uh, again, I would have pulled Wilkinson out of the game and been like, oh my goodness, anybody can do better than that. I would have put Dotson into the game at that point. I mean, isn't that the point of having death? That if something goes wrong, you can fix it? Exactly. I'm pr- I, I cannot stand the fact that our coaches sit there and go, oh, this isn't working. Let's run it again. Oh, that didn't work. Let's run it again. Wait, what is your job? To make adjustments. Do I remember one specifically when Peyton Manning came back to lead us to that number one seed. He Kubiak made another switch, and that was to get Schofield out of the game, and he put I want to say it was Columbus. And yeah. once that yeah, once that switch was made, the team offense was running so much more smoother. <laughs> so we need to make more adjustments. But it's part of the the you know I I so much catch myself yelling at the screen. Do something. Anything, even if it fails at this point, I just want to see something done. Like I would like some acknowledgement from the coaches that they're watching the game and going, "This isn't good." Right? <laughs> How can we fix this? And they're just so stubborn with, "Nope, this is what we said we're going to do. This is what we're going to do." It's like the guy that gets lost, yeah. and you know he's lost. He knows he's lost. But he has taken this road, so, you know, we're going to take this road till it ends. And you're like, um, but I'm kind of hungry. Right. <laughs> I need my food. You know, do I have to die on this trail with you, really? That's what it feels like. It feels like <sighs> I got to die with you. Okay. Great. So I also have play calling as part of the bad. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm done with the ugly. Did you have any more ugly? Well, your play calling part of the bad was my ugly, but we can transfer it over to bad because. I, I think the not making adjustment is ugly where the play calling is bad. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I totally would agree on that one. So um, first and foremost, we have two yards to go. Uno, dos. Dos yards. We have two downs to do it in. Yep. Should we have ran at least once? Yes. And and not just because Melvin Gordon, as a veteran running back, can probably get us two yards. But also... We needed to burn some clock at that point. Exactly. There was still just about two minutes to go. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. And we might have scored. Yes. Yes. But if we had scored a touchdown, we'd be up by how many? Two, three, two or three, depending on what we went for, for our conversion. So, do we want to give Big Ben the ball back with more than a minute left? No. 
But if we had on throwing plays, he would have had enough time to do something. Yes? Yes. So not only is just two shallow throws really predictable, it was also poor time management again. Yes. I'm sensing a theme here with all the time management baloney, however you want to go with that. I'm also... Oh, can I also add that Melvin Gordon was actually doing really well. Why yes, not keep him in rock? Perfect. I have him as a good. We are going to get to some good. Yes. And, and to be fair, Ty was like, but we should start with the good. And I was like, <laughs> maybe we should end with the good. Let's end on the high note. <laughs> yes, that's true. <laughs> Does, you know, I finally tweeted if Fant got abducted by aliens at halftime last, last week. Oh. And then two plays later, they finally went to Fant. Is there a reason we're only allowed to play with Fant for half a game? Is there some rule <laughs> that the Denver Broncos can neither cover or have a tight end? Right. Yeah, if that was another game in which Fant was completely gone in one half and just completely shined in another half. So we need to so, utilize him for 60 minutes, not 30. Fant is the 10th tight end in history and the first in 24 years with 45 receptions, averaging 14 yards per catch. He has 700 yards and five touchdowns in 18 games. He is currently top five in yards and top 10 in yards per catches. Yeah, I have a coaching staff that says, heads or tails, he playing first half or second half. So Fant is a good. How he's utilized completely baffles me. Right. May I add on that here's here's another interesting stat about Fant. I found I can't remember when I who I found this about. Quarterbacks who have thrown to Fant so far this season have a one hundred and fifty-eight point three QBR rating, which estimates as a perfect quarterback rating. So we need to feed him the ball. <laughs> At least so we can't. Right. If this is some weird, well, we won't go to him too often. We'll make we'll make teams forget about him. Okay, well, then let's start with him. Then if he starts getting double teamed, let's back up. And then when they start forgetting about him, let's go back to him again. Right. But this completely, I, who? Like, it's like the coaches sit on the sideline and go, who? Noah, you know a Noah? <laughs> <laughs> that gave me a good catchphrase. Fant until you can't. <laughs> I knew, I knew when I was like, ah, Fant rhymes with can't. Now I know how to say his name all the time. <laughs> Trademark right there. 
Um, um, that's all I had for bad. All right. Um, the only bad I had, which one of them did kind of tie in with yours, which was the offense. Um, scoring three points in the first half is not good, but in a sense I can understand because there was a whole lot of pressure going on and we had lost our quarterback. So we had spent probably a good amount of the last half of the first quarter and most of the second quarter trying to get Driscoll adjusted. So in a sense, I can understand that. My only bad, and it's not for a bad reason because he's a rookie, but Lloyd Cushenberry allowed so much pressure on the inside, no matter if it was Drew Locke or if it was Jeff Driscoll. If pressure was coming up the middle, it was just going to be an automatic sack. And I think Lloyd Cushenberry was because I believe Bud Dupree came in from the inside. So that whole scenario where Locke got hurt might have been a result of that. But I kind of and want to give him a pass because, one, he's a rookie. Two, it was his second game. Rookies are bound to have. And he has no games. help. He can't look to his right for help. Right. And he can't look to his left for help. Yep. So, Pat, I'll give Cushberry a pass, but he's still he he has to improve. Yeah. But let's not let's not crucify him yet. Exactly. Oh, I do I I do have one more thing. I I do have one more bad stat, and then we'll okay. leave it alone. And I know I harp on this stat, but I think it's very 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 important. Mm-hmm. We are the second most in the NFL with blown fourth quarter leads. Vic has five of them. We are most in the NFL with four losses where we have lost by three points or less. During Vic's tenure, we have lost the lead in six of 17 games in the last 30 seconds. If he is not going to call a game where our quarterback is protected and our offense scores and insist on making it these defensive games, he has got to learn how to close out a close game. I agree. This is not a fluke. This is a problem. It is a problem. You are not going to win in the NFL if you cannot man up the D to make a stop or get a first down in the last two minutes of a game. It's just not going to happen. Unless, like Houston, you release Locke and Locke can throw over 30 points, you know, put 30 points on the board in the first half. That's fun. Those were fun times. Those are fun times, but we don't get those times. We get these heartbreaking, soul-crushing, pass-me-the-whiskey bottle finishes. (laughs) And, you know, someone sent me a meme where it says that supposedly uh, Denver Broncos are the most, the fan base that drinks the most. Yep. And they're probably basing this off 
sales in the stadium last year? Yeah. Because I don't know how many, I mean, you can't, they're not counting my Bloody Marys at the bar. Because <laughs> <laughs> no one's asked me for my barbell. <laughs> and they're not counting my fat tires during the game, so. Yeah. But and someone said, oh, look, we finally won in something. We drink the most. I'm like, have you seen our games? Of course we drink the most. <laughs> I'm pretty sure ever since from like our Super Bowl 50 year until now, we've been the team that has been more involved in close games than any other team in the NFL. And I think these close games and the sheer nerves is probably the reason why we drink so much. Well, even during the Super Bowl run, those were some those were some heart attack days. Oh yeah. There's a lot of drinking to try and calm down then too. Oh yeah. So um so now some goods. So um Gordon had 70 yards, 3.7 um yards per carry. Mm-hmm. Freeman did awesome. He only had three carries, but he got 20 yards, so he was averaging 6.7 yards per carry. Very nice. Of course, when it's, you know, third and two and fourth and two, we don't want to pass them the ball because <laughs> there's no evidence that they would help. Um, Judy looked good. Mm-hmm. Hamler, yay, KJ, Woo-hoo. showed up for three receptions for 48 yards. Yes. That's not too shabby. Mm-mm. And in, in the middle of the second quarter somewhere, I got very frustrated because our team looked like it had just quit. Like mm. they decided it was over. And I was upset at the coaching because that comes down from the coaches. But I was upset at our veteran players too, that they weren't egging on the young team going, no, we fight, we play. Right. Simmons came up with that interception. As, yep, I think it was like and the very that first. That very much changed the attitude of the team, and I saw much more fight in the team after that. Yes. Yeah, because I think that interception was Roethlisberger's first throw in the second half. I'm pretty sure. I want to say it could have been because yeah, that happened. That definitely turned the tide of the game quite a bit and gave yeah. us. And Driscoll, though, he didn't look like Jumpin' Jack Flash. He was 18 of 34 for 256 yards, two touchdowns, one interception. Mm-hmm. Um, he was sacked six times and hit <sighs> 11 times. Yeah. So that's not – those aren't terrible numbers. Just he needed protection pretty much. Um, yeah, it's hard to throw when, uh, TJ Watts coming at you. I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't throw the ball accurately either. Right. Um, I know Schumer, the, the cornerstone of Schumer's offense is that we go downfield. Um, but we have to be smart about going downfield too. I hate the screen pass. We have yet to run a successful screen pass since I don't know when. 
So I someone said today, oh, have walked to a bunch of screens. I was like, don't run a screen pass. We did try a screen pass. It didn't go very well. Oh. Um, and I cannot stand when it's third and eight, we throw six yards. Or it's third and 12 and we throw nine yards. Three words, throw, to no, that's four words. Throw towards the sticks. At least to the sticks. Right. Um, so I know we signed Blake Bortles. We did sign Blake Bortles. Which is kind of embarrassing as a football fan. But <laughs> I think I think it cements that Drew Locke is the guy. Yes. He that all they're looking for is a stopgap measure to get us through the next three to five weeks to get Locke back on the field. Yes. There could be a chance that he might return sooner, but I mean, I'm not even sure if he's there's like there's so much going on with it. Um, but perhaps there's there could be some positives from signing it. I think I really know one person that could give us a potential positive, but I'm not sure what why we would sign like Bortles in my honest opinion. I just think it's a veteran on the sideline in case. Well, I mean, because we only put, we only had Locke and Driscoll. Mm -hmm. And Locke went down, so there was Driscoll. So if something had happened to Driscoll, I think Freeman is our emergency quarterback. Yeah, that's what they mentioned on the broadcast. Yeah, and so since Locke can't come up off the bench, we've got to have somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, I also saw today we promoted uh, Rippin. Yep. It's Rippin season, baby. Rippin season. So there's that. Yeah. But, you know, I, I, I think the feeling is Locke is still the guy. This was just unfortunate. Um, and not to put someone like Philip Rivers or Tom Brady behind him. To complete the Drew trifecta. <laughs> uh, right. Yeah. So with our quarterback of Driscoll and out our running back, right receiver, cornerback, defensive end. Did I miss anybody? Nope. I think you covered it all. We play... System and Tampa. Yeah. Um, so Hashtag FYTB. FYTB always. <laughs> um, and this is going to be a little bit of a special um, episode because while we cover the Broncos and Bucks, we do have a good dear friend that is going to help us dissect the preview of this. We ready to bring him on? I'm ready. Is he ready? <laughs> I think he's ready. 
Ladies and gentlemen, today we have predominantly orange and the mainly Broncos podcast host, Cameron Parker. Cameron, Yay. how you how you doing today, Cameron? I'm doing good. Um, you know, uh, it's Friday. Uh, it's the end of the week, which means the weekend is here. Um, I probably will be having a beer in the next hour, so it's a good day. It's a good day. Oh. Woo! See, there we go. <laughs> you just missed our segment where I said that uh, Bronco fans were listed as the number one alcohol consumer fan base. Based on the, the based on the the years past Peyton Manning, I would not be surprised. <laughs> That's what I said. <laughs> Have yeah. you watched our games? <laughs> yes, but. Cameron Parker is a good friend of Kelly and I. He writes for Predominantly Orange, as do I. And he has a podcast that he just started up, the Mainly Broncos podcast. Yeah, you guys can follow that over on Twitter as well, at Mainly Broncos. Um, and, and myself on Twitter as well, at Cameron Parker PO. Woo! Broncos okay, podcast so, for the win. What? I said Broncos podcast for the win. Woo-hoo. You know, Podcast I was going to say, tonight. I was going to say, it's kind of funny that uh, if you look at this glass here, it is actually the glass that we actually, the game where we all met, it's the Champ Bailey Ring of Fame glass. Nice. Yay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so kind of fitting. Very fitting. <laughs> okay. So what, before we dissect, I'm the stat person. So I'm going to throw out some stats. Uh, Tampa Bay currently is 25th in offense with 324.5 yards per game. They are 23rd in rushing with 100 yards per game. They are 25th in passing with 220.5 yards per game. And they are tied 12th in scoring, averaging 27 points per game. Meanwhile, we're not all that far behind. We are 27th in offense with 321 average yards, uh, 21st in rushing with 105.5 yards per game, uh, 26th in passing, and this is without Drew Locke, um, 215.5 yards per game, but we are 31st in scoring, averaging 15 points per game. Uh, yeah, it's... It's gonna be a it's gonna be an interesting test because, you know, we're we're now entering week three and and that had been the 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 coup de gras comment with this whole offense and everything else, as far as you know the the offense wanted to put up, you know, more than seventeen points per game because that was the talk all over Twitter. Is they're like gone are the days of seventeen points per game. Well, yeah, those days are probably gonna be gone, but. The, so far, the Drew Lock injury kind of unfortunately put a damper in that. I will say this, though, you know, Driscoll coming in and scoring 21 points um, on the Pittsburgh Steelers is, is a huge plus. And I, I, I think that for the Broncos' sake, them being able to compete and be in close games and back-to-back games with uh, AFC playoff caliber teams really says a lot, not just about the, the young team, the young offense with where they're at, but also the coaching staff. I think I feel a lot more comfortable with the coaching staff and with where they're at. So going into this game against the, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, it, it's still going to be a pretty tough test. 
because on the offensive side, even despite the 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 offensive ranking of the Buccaneers, you know Chris Godwin's coming back. Um, he's expected to play this Sunday, and you know despite the fact of what Gronkowski said that he's there to block, their tight ends are loaded. I mean, you have OJ Howard, you have Cameron Brait, you have Rob Gronkowski, and then of course you have. Chris Godwin and Mike Evans and Scotty Miller, who's emerged with Tom Brady, as we all know, because of the slot receiver. And then uh, you, you got the running game with Leonard Fournette, who infamously ran all over the Denver Broncos when they played the Jacksonville Jaguars last year, running forward 200 yards. So I, I think that it's going to be a, a really, really tough test. But I, I do think overall that defensively, Big Fangio will do the best that he can to scheme things up to try and neutralize Brady. Well, here are the defensive stats. Tampa Bay is tied 11th, only allowing about 349 yards per game. They are fourth in rushing defense, only allowing 84.5 points per game. They are 21st in passing defense, um, only allowing 264.5 yards per game. That seems like a lot, but okay. Um, Mm -hmm. And they are 17th in scoring defense um, or against the score, only allowing about 25 and a half points per game. While we are 21st, uh, we allow about 393.5 yards per game. We are 14th, allowing 119.5 rushing yards per game. Um, We are 25th in passing, allowing 274 yards per game. Um, but we are 10th in scoring defense, only allowing 21 points per game. And I, I think that that's going to be the, the two tests because I think that that's been kind of the, the, thing, the theme that we've seen with the Broncos defense the last uh, few weeks because at least to begin the season is that you, you're having this bend but not break defense. That's usually what they call it. They allow the yardage. But once they get into the red zone, that's where that scoring defense really comes into play. And when you come to the, the Tampa Buccaneers offense, I mean, if they get down in that red zone, they absolutely have to stop Tom Brady. And a lot of that is going to end up being really to, to what the Broncos have done to Brady's went back when Brady was with the Patriots, getting to Tom Brady. And, you know, Brady – He's the, he's one of those quarterbacks and probably a lot of those quarterbacks that if you get pressure on them, they're just not the same quarterback. And, and so for the Broncos, they absolutely have to get to Tom Brady. And this, so players like Jeremiah Tachu and Malik Reed, Malik Reed, especially who has been really, really quiet the last few weeks. He's That's got, okay. he's absolutely got to come out and really come out and, Really have a good game, and and Bradley Chubb to a certain extent. I mean, he he he's really got to, you know, shed those double teams and 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 shed the those tackles and and really get to Brady. And and the good news is though is that the interior of the defensive line, despite the injury of Draymond Jones, could still generate a lot of pressure, even with Jarrell Casey and Mike Purcell in the middle. So, I, I think. I think that overall it's going to be a very, very tough test still for, for Brady. But the secondary is really where it's going to be the true test for, for Brady and particularly, you know, the, the defensive side of the ball. So 
My biggest regret about losing Von Miller is, of course, losing Von Miller. Right. But a really close second was that I could not wait for Miller to be able to sack Sistom again. Yeah. Because he knows how to sack him, and now he's not playing. So I really hope that those veterans are in there feeding the the FYTB hashtag attitude to to our young rookies because I cannot stand that. But but and, and that's why because if if you can disrupt system, he he doesn't know what to do because his system isn't working. He doesn't have a plan B. Yeah. So. Uh, we need to up our pass protection. I'm, I I don't know how. Um, and we need to win a turnover battle. Yeah. Just one game. Just one game. Yeah. I would like the Broncos to win the turnover battle. I think that you know, and and that's a. I think that that's been one of the the unfortunate things is, you know, back, when you go back to the Tennessee game, granted it was a questionable penalty. But, I mean, on that penalty when Ojemudia made that interception, uh, I mean, the things probably could have been different. You, we would be looking at the interception with Ojemudia as the play of the game. And potentially if he held on to the ball in the end zone against the Pittsburgh Steelers, that might have been a, a play of the game. So, I mean, I think they're just they're that close to, the, to winning that interception battle. And... As, as as Fangio always says, that's a death by inches, and and I think that that's just a, a thing where they're just that close. Yeah, yeah. unfortunately, Fangio's Van, inches are killing us instead of the other team. Yeah, and I think that that's, <laughs> I think that that's where I wasn't aware when he said death by inches, he meant us. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, and, and it's funny you were talking about the offensive line. Um, if you were to tell me now, granted it's week three, but if you were to tell me entering week three that Garrett Bowles would be our best offensive lineman, I would probably doubt that statement. <laughs> you'd have you'd have thought I got a hold of something very yummy to to smoke in Colorado. Yeah, and, <laughs> and, and but but sure enough, Garrett Bowles is our best offensive lineman through two weeks of the regular season. And it is he kind of gave up the hit that got to Drew Locke. Uh, in the in the the in Tennessee the injury. Game. And that was yeah. Wilkinson. That was Wilkinson. Was it uh, when they showed it? It looked like. It looked like yeah. Bowles just kind of went this way and just watched the guy remind him. But well, maybe it was, it was Wilkinson's target. You know, we, we, I, I had this talk in week one. I don't know people's assignments. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it, how the replay did it, then, then what, what the game was on CBS, NBC. Yeah. Wh- whoever yeah. did yeah. him dirty with the video evidence because how they, they didn't show Wilkinson behind him missing a block. They showed polls kind of look at the guy and go, huh, and go this way and let the guy run past him. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 when you first initially see the video, you see T.J. Watt dip underneath Wilkinson, and he's the first initial one that, to meet Locke and, and really make him roll out. And then at that particular point, it was kind of all hands on deck because he's rolling out. And so it really was Wilkinson that really started it at all. 
And just that I think that that's just been the unfortunate thing. And uh, at, at some point, Munchak and Fangio have to come together. They have to come together and make that call <laughs> to where they say, are we going to roll with Dotson? Are we, are we going to just roll with Wilkinson still? I mean, as of right now, uh, Elijah Wilkinson's going to end up being the right tackle. But, I mean, DeMar Dotson, and particularly when you're going up against the front seven on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and I think that this is going to end up being one of the key matchups uh, for the Broncos and the, and the Buccaneers, is that pass rush of the Buccaneers. Can that offensive line particularly – like the right side of that offensive line for the Broncos, can they hold up? Because I can almost guarantee that Shaquille Barrett will be up against Elijah Wilkinson the majority of that game. And the side story, of course, is Barrett coming you know, back to Denver and wanting to show that the Broncos did him dirty and wanting a, a much larger contract. So I, I think that you know it, that's going to be one of those side stories and with that – Tampa Bay pastors because their front seven, you could argue, is one of the best in football. I mean, you've got Vita Vea, and you have the linebacking core of Devin White and Levante David and uh, Jason Pierre-Paul and, uh, and Shaquille Barrett. I mean, their front seven is just absolutely nasty. The, the secondary is where that's probably the one um, question mark. Here's my thing, though, with the whole Shaquille Barrett thing. Um, I know... Didn't the Broncos say they were trying to sign him, but Barrett wanted to start somewhere because he because if he were to stay in Denver, he still would have been behind Miller and Chubb. And that that's probably where where it is. I mean, and and if he was starting, he would still get that big big money. I mean, he would still get that money to be a starter. So it's kind of I guess falling into that same line that Barrett would have been signed for huge money if the Broncos were willing to do what he asked, which was be a starter. And unfortunately, just but do you start that. Barrett over Vaughn and Chubb? No. Yeah, I, I I had yeah. thought that it left amicably where he said, "Look, I want to be a starter. I'm good yeah. enough to be a starter." And Bronco said, "We agree, but not here because we've got Vaughn and Chubb." And I think that that's probably what they felt. They probably felt that Barrett had a lot of value because. You know, he he clearly outperformed Shane Ray, uh, their the former first round pick, and they probably felt that way. And but at the end of the day, but you, you can't quit, pay three starters. You can't, and especially when you when you selected Bradley Chubb with a fifth overall pick, and you don't and you don't want to hold Barrett back. No, and 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 two, it's probably I would just say, um, more of a. I guess a, a nod to Shaquille Parrott that we still value as a starter. And, you know, and, and I think that for the Broncos, for them saying we still think you can be a starter, but we also think that you unfortunately are probably going to end up being a starter somewhere else just due to everything else. But we still valued, uh, you know, what your contributions were and everything. And so, I, and now granted, we're not there in the Valley every day, right? I mean, like, we're, right. we're, we're not there. So we, I keep trying. I keep trying to get access. They keep telling me. I mean, I, I mean, I I don't have access to a drone. I can't I can't take one of these drones and fl- uh, 
and and fly over Dove Valley is a potential fly on the wall. I can't do that, unfortunately. As much as I would love to, I can't. <laughs> I tried to get in two years ago, but I couldn't get in, so I kind of failed there. <laughs> yeah. I mean, not try to get in like now there's a restraining order to try to get in. Just well, obviously. <laughs> right, 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 right. <laughs> it's like, right. We aren't wanted by authorities either. <laughs> <laughs> um, this actually is also going to be a big game because this will be the first Broncos home game in which fans will be allowed. Yay! Yeah, I, I think that... Um, it's been kind of like a trial run is my probably right. I mean, like the, with, with kind of how they've been handling it, and especially with the first game on Monday night, it was like a trial run. I mean, you had the 500 fans, which are mostly just family and friends. And now it's 5,700 fans of probably some cardboard cutouts and probably, you know, fans that are, you know, spread out social distance, of course. And, uh, and I think that, uh, you know, it's going to be interesting. And can those 5,700 fans ra- rattle Tom Brady? It's going to be interesting. But, I mean, nonetheless, fans in the stadium is just a huge plus for the Broncos. And I, I, I think that, you know, is it still probably neutral to a certain extent? Yeah, just because it is like 5,700 fans compared to, you know, the 70,000 or 75,000 fans you know, that's typically in the stadium. Never thought I'd miss in complete so much. Yeah. And I think that, uh, it'll be interesting. (laughs) I I mean, and that's probably something that we do hear off of like that. They could probably do just as a, as a recording that they just, no, they they were told they couldn't, they can't, Um, they were asked about it and they, they were told they couldn't. Hmm. That's why yeah. we have to scream it from but wherever see, we're living. But see, that's why they have this podcast because it is the incomplete podcast. To, that's where we to, got it from, and that's why we spell it exactly. So, if if, if we don't get the incomplete in, in a stadium, <laughs> there's at least the incomplete podcast, and I think that you know for that we should all smile. See, we're making a positive impact for Broncos country. See. Yay! So, hmm. Do we believe that this is a winnable game despite everything that's been going on? Every game with Vic Fangio as head coach and with the defense is a winnable game. I I just based on based on everything that we've seen. I mean, aside from a like two or three games dating back to last year. I, the, every single game that they've had under Vic Fangio has been a very close game. So, I mean. Um, you mean the five blown fourth quarter leads and the I four mean, losses by three points or less or yep. the six out of 17 games where we've lost the lead in the last 30 seconds? Yeah, I mean, they're, they're <laughs> close games. <laughs> I mean, that's a little more than two or three, Cameron. I just wanted to point that out. <laughs> no, I, I meant, I meant, I meant by, I meant by two or three big games, like blowout games. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> just say, like two or three blowout games. But I mean, as far as like the 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 six or seven or multiple different games where they've lost by, they lost the fourth quarter lead. 
I, based on just true rebuild, is way better to lose close games and it's way than than lose blowouts. Losses are losses any way you cut it, but if you're trying to rebuild something and rebuild discipline of a football team, it's way better to lose those close football games. And I, I think that that just helps you win games and win games because especially if you're rebuilding, then it starts to become the reverse of it. You start winning those close games and then those close games end up becoming double digits or so on and so forth. And so yeah. That's, that, that of course is the hope. I just get worried because I remember listening to champ Bailey talk during Tebow's year. Right. And Tebow was able to get us to win all those close games mm-hmm. by sheer will. <laughs> I don't yeah. know how he did it. Yeah. And I just remember champ Bailey one time going, those games are hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then listening to Dalton Riser this week, he said, I am tired of moral victories. Yeah. I am tired of losing these games. Yeah. So I worry where their mindset is and if there's give up at some point. Um, yeah. But I'm hopeful that this is a winnable game because there should be enough system and Cheatriot hate <laughs> to fuel for just one guy for just one guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Just, or two guys. Take it back. Probably yeah. Like I tweeted cause it was funny. I, I had gone to a new place and you know, so uh, uh, they had bought me a beer after the game. And so they were talking to me and somehow how much I hate system came up. Um, and they said, you know, you talk a lot, but what would you do if, if he walked in right now? I said, I would come out of this barstool so fast and hit him. <laughs> <laughs> they said, you would not. I said, oh, I am so tired of when he takes off down the sideline of the defensive guys because he's system, just kind of pushing him out of bounds when he's open to hit, hit the guy. Yeah. Hit him. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I, I just think that, you know, with, with with those, you know, we were talking about the losing culture, right, earlier, right? Yeah. So I, I, I think that those are the things that they, they, they do take its toll. Like, they do take its toll. I mean, even even Judy said himself after week two already, I believe it was this week, where he, where he said, I, you know, I, I am tired of the losing. You know, coming from Alabama, you win so many games. You win – you know, all those games, you win national championships, you go, uh, you know, 13 and 0 beating Oklahoma regularly. Okay. That was the shot. I apologize. Well, it's easy when you have <laughs> SEC bias and I you're guess. the yes. of college football yeah. to get all the wins. <laughs> yes, Judy. Welcome to real life. When you have to play. <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, but, but, but overall, I, I just think that, it, it does hit you though, and I think that those are the things that mentally, it, it's what creates a mentally tough football player, because you have to look past that. Like they are tough. Like the losses are tough, but you have to go in every single week like you're like the record is zero and zero. Like you absolutely have to go into each and every week like it's zero zero. I mean, we can go in and say that moral victories. You know, there are probably no such thing as moral victories because losses are losses. At the same time, you know, 
you, you still could probably learn a thing or two from a loss. And so maybe, maybe there's probably something to be said for more of a victory, but you know, it, it just depends on the way you look about it, the perspective and everything based on how mentally tough you are. I mean, and looking at it just simply from the drops perspective with Judy, I think that it's a great perspective to have the drops, but at the same time, one of the, the, the biggest and, and smallest cons of all of that is you don't want those two words, you know, the, the two drops to linger every single play because in, at that particular point in time, it's in the back of your head, it's in the back of your mind, and that's all Judy's thinking about. And, and maybe, well, yeah, maybe it's a rookie. They all need to be like, um, so J.R. Smith the in the record. NBA that didn't know the game one. Um, yeah. yeah, with LeBron. Just, and, and, yeah, you yeah. know, LeBron's looking at him like, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and they asked Jr. <laughs> like, you know, last year or so. You think about that? He's like, Nah, it's done. It's over. When clearly, what am I going to think about? When clearly, so yeah, yeah, I want them to kind of have a memory like Jr. Smith, like <laughs> yeah, yeah. But we're all LeBron going. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. With the legitimate meme that's like. Yeah. What are you doing? <laughs> yeah. So now, and Judy's drops, I don't hold against him. And, you know, it's his first game. It's his it's first, first big season. boy game. Yeah. You first know, season two. Yeah. We have such a young team. It's hard to stay mad at them. And that's why the coaches get a lot of my anger because I don't want them to ruin the young team. Yeah. And I think that, in particular with Judy, right? I mean, we, we, we saw the growth of Cortland Sutton in year two. What and we're seeing Fant. Look at well, Fant. But I mean, like, and, and what was the growth that we, or what was the pro, what was the biggest overarching problem that we saw from Cortland Sutton in year one? Drops. It, was, it was the drops. And, and then, well, and probably somewhat route running as well with Cortland. And now you're, mm-hmm. you're, you're seeing, stuff with Cortland to where he has clearly emerged as just even after that, that for that second year, he clearly emerged and this put himself solely in an argument alone of being a top five wide receiver. I mean, and, and now you have Judy who coming into the league is well regarded as a, as a route runner. And all he's focusing on is just a drop. So if he can get that figured out, and with a tremendous wide receiver coach in Zach Azani, I mean, there's no telling what he can do. And and with the type of work ethic that he has, it would not shock me if it if he hit his stride halfway through the season and we start to see the Jerry Judy that we had seen or potentially Jerry Judy that we had seen in Alabama, but only like 10 times that. And I think that, you know, I think that that has been the blessing for Broncos for the Broncos is that when you have the luxury in the NFL draft to get a guy like a Jerry Judy or even a CD lamb, there is no wrong answer for either one of those guys. I mean, CD lamb, if you put him on a Denver Broncos uniform would have had the exact same impact potentially long-term as Jerry Judy. And I think that, you know, so all in all, it's you're looking at just the same impact long term 
for Jerry Judy that I, I I'm not too worried about the drops. Yeah. So Ty, you, you think we win? Um, I'm going to do it this way. I think it's a winnable game. I don't think we will win. I think, and actually I believe if we can find some way to put some pressure on Tom, because I, I'm pretty sure I heard this from the Mainly Broncos podcast, Tom Brady is the only team that has a losing record against the Broncos. And if he wins this, he will be 500 against the Broncos. Not exactly a winning record, but he'll – but he'll be 500. Yeah. So, well, I don't... and he's, and, and that's against them total, but he's got a losing record at mile high. Uh, yeah. Yeah. He has a mm-hmm. losing, he has a losing record um, in mile high. But as far as the Broncos overall. Yeah. yeah but yeah, I mean, but the Broncos yeah, have yeah. played in New England. Yeah. 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 They yeah. played. So, yeah. So yeah. this, this win will put him at 500. Just over the Broncos in general, but as far as Mile High, I might. But at Mile High, he's got a losing. He does not like, and Gronk doesn't like Mile High. Gronk's been hurt twice at Mile High. Mm -hmm. We have. He's got bad juju for that. So, on that mark, I do think it's a winnable game, and I sadly am going to say it's probably going to end up being another one of those close games. But I do have a little belief that history is history and i think the history of brady at mile high will still be a negative for him i think the broncos just squeak out a victory they find they just find some way to do it. i don't know how they're gonna do it but i think they squeak it out you're saying the broncos squeak it out the broncos squeak it out yes i i See, this is the problem when you have like people that like give like different arguments and everything. Like, because I uh, just in the beginning part of the week, it's like I I just don't see how the Broncos can can pull away. But at the same time, no team in their right mind wants to go zero three to begin a season, and, and that logic alone means that the Denver Broncos will have extra initiative to come out and play hard fought football for you know, for 60 minutes. I mean, and I think that for the Broncos, they will give Brady all they can handle. Doesn't mean that could come out with a victory. Doesn't mean that they will come out with a victory, but they will give Brady everything that they have. And I, I think that if they can, if they can pressure Brady to, you know, not maybe to the extent, cause it's a lot to ask for, but to what we had seen, and I know this was back in 2015 and the, the glory days, obviously. But if you can just pressure Brady constantly, get him on the ground, you know, may not be even sacks even, but just get him on the ground, make him uncomfortable. Because at the age that he is, clearly he has been declining. And if you can turn the ball over, turn the ball over on Tom Brady, you will have a glorious opportunity to win this football game. And so because of that, I think there is a legitimate chance the Broncos do come out on top, and I think they do win on Sunday just because I, I, I think that the offensive line with Tristan Wirfs just even entering week three, I think that he's not having the best of years so far, 
And so if the Broncos can capitalize on that and really capitalize and really putting pressure on Brady from the inside and as well on that right side, I think that they can absolutely win this game to potentially force turnovers. Well, guess what? If we win, I'll buy you both a beer. (laughs) (laughs) I would prefer if it's a Broncos country beer. Still they, are, they won't sell it where I live. <laughs> yeah, they won't sell they it won't either. They won't ship it either. Oh, that's tough. We, we, so I we mean, were... you can buy yourself one and I can, you know, Venmo you the money. <laughs> <laughs> Here's the laziest I... I bought you a beer you ever got here. <laughs> it still counts. <laughs> in a technical sense it does yeah so we looked when it said when that bronco country beer got up on twitter so like six of us went and looked and the bur- the brewery's like no we don't we don't ship out of state oh man but no i i do think the the broncos do come out on on top on sunday i i do i so i i do wait so if the bucks come out and win this game does that mean we each owe Kelly one beer or <laughs> no, it means that all three of us, it means that all three of us probably were taking about three shots after the game. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to get Bar- my look already. Yeah. 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 Barring exactly what happens in this Buccaneers game, it might be even more. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hope not. Um, yeah, hope not. So, Cameron, we do a little segment that we thought that you could join us. We do a little thing called Around the NFL where we explore some of the different things that have happened. Um, One big thing that I think we wanted to touch on was Gail Sayers unfortunately passed away this week. And we wanted to talk a little bit about him first before we covered everything that happened in week two. It's yeah, it's it's just an unfortunate thing. I mean, you know, it's you know, death is very unfortunate, and I, I think that for for Sayers, you know, one of the things when I heard the news, I I wanted to watch Brian's song. Like, I mean, and I I think that that's been the unfortunate thing for myself is, and I I, I guess it pains me to say I've never actually seen start to finish Brian's song. I've seen bits and pieces, but I, I've not actually seen, um, you know, the the entirety of that movie. Doesn't mean I actually know the entire story, obviously. But I mean, you know, because I do. But it's just like it's just one of those movies where you absolutely have to you absolutely have to watch. And unfortunately, I've just not seen it from start to finish. Um, none of us are old enough to have seen him play. No. Now, I've I've seen film of him. I've watched. You know, I've watched Brian's song. I don't know how many times I watched Brian's song. I've read the book. I've read a different book that explored that went even further than Brian's song and more in depth into Gail Sayers and and the relationship with Brian Piccolo. Um, he was born in Wichita, Kansas, but he was raised in Omaha, Nebraska. Um, he set state long jump records of twenty four feet mm. and ten and a half inches. He was um, in Kansas. He was a two-time All-American, and he was taken number four in the 1965 draft by the Chicago Bears after they'd already picked Dick Butkus. 
Yeah. I, I think that one of the things that have been at least because obviously I, I, I'm not old enough to remember Gail Sayers at all. I think that but that was one of the most impressive things when you watch Gail Sayers is just how athletic he was. And and I think that we have a tendency to kind of take well, that for granted. I don't know that he he just ran funny. Well, if I think you've that, never seen how he like he doesn't, you know, run in a stride like his foot would go up and like almost like, like he all, could flip it and have it come down somewhere completely different. Kind of like it was bow legged in some ways but right? no, well buckus was bowleg or uh dicko was bowlegged but but just like uh, like he could disconnect his hip and just have his leg come way behind him instead of straight down yeah. so you can catch him yeah he was just a he was a very very fascinating runner i think that during especially during that time you know i mean like it, it was just i think that at least for us, we have a tendency to kind of take it for granted because we see the the type of running backs that we see now of, you know, those people like a Christian McCaffrey, you know, the, the, those guys like a Saquon Barkley. I mean, back in the day, they weren't necessarily racking up those types of yardage, but they were still having an incredible impact on the game. And Gale Sayers was no exception to that. I mean, you know, and I think that, you know, for for the Bears and – and especially the entire NFL community, it was it was a huge, huge loss. Yeah. So he only played sixty eight games. His, uh, his career was cut very short by injury. He hurt his knees, probably because they went sideways in the air. Um, he was all pro all five of his seasons that he played. He amassed four thousand nine hundred and fifty six yards and fifty six touchdowns. He did get a total of 9,435 all-purpose yards, and he is still ranked fourth in all of Bears history for, for most all-purpose yardage. You know, and I, I think on the Broncos side of things, that was the argument for Terrell Davis going into the Hall of Fame. I mean, that was the argument for Terrell Davis to go into the Hall of Fame was, look at Gale Sayers. I mean, look at the impact that he had on the football field and the NFL finally, finally <laughs> um, with, with much homework and, and probably, you know, banging the table by a lot of our Denver media. I mean, it, they, they finally acquiesced and, and put TD in the hall of fame. So the game you want to watch of his to see how great he was, if you can get a hold of it, is December 12th, 1965, Bears versus the Niners. It is one of those fun games that's played in the mud, and they're actually playing at Wrigley Field because Soldier Stadium had not been built yet. Mm-hmm. So it's on a baseball field. <laughs> um, it was his rookie season. He scored six times and only three players, Ernie Nevers in 1929, Deb Jones in 1951 and Sayers are the only NFL players to score six times in a game. It's production. He went 113 yards and four touchdowns in nine carries. That means almost every other time he touched the ball, he scored a touchdown that game. Plus he had 89 receiving yards and a touchdown. 
He had two other catches for 134 yards, and he was also the punt returner. So he had five punt returns, and one of those returns went for a touchdown. He was the complete package. He was the complete package. (laughs) The Swiss Army knife for the Bears back in the day. Exactly. So um, I like what Piccolo's daughter said, said that now him and Piccolo are together again. Yeah, that was touching. Yes. Um, so our condolences to the Sayer family and the Piccolo family because they have remained close. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just to the Bears community, um, Mike Wilbron, who, if, if you guys watch on PTI, is just a huge Chicago area fan. Um, mm-hmm. he, de- he did a very moving piece on how he looked up to Buckus and Sayers his whole life. And when he was talking to Buckus about it, Buckus said, no, Sayers is the type of man you look up to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, you know, he, he was just, he was a good guy on and off the field. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. There's not much to add. I mean, he, he was a great he, he, That's one reason why history of this game is important and why it is so loved. If, if, if So we recommend you read the book or watch the movie. Um, Brian song. And, mm-hmm. um, and that, and that's why, you know, those of us that, that are sports fans, you know, we know all these weird things about all these old players because they, they impact the world very differently than just running the football. They're more than just athletes. So someone who is a phenomenal athlete, apparently though, is Josh Allen, who continues to just wow this season. He had his first 300-yard game versus the Jets. It's He's the first Buffalo quarterback with a 400-yard game, which he had versus the Dolphins. He's got four touchdowns and no interceptions with six TDs on the year. He's the fourth player ever with 700 plus yards with six touchdowns and no interceptions through two weeks. He is completing 70% of his passes. This last Sunday, he went seven for eight, 246 yards, two touchdowns, and two touchdowns, both touchdowns over 20 yards. It's impressive. You know, uh, go ahead, Ty. You were going to say No, something. no, no. No, no, Go ahead. I was like, whew. Oh, isn't he a six three tall white dude? He's he's big. He's big. I, you know, and I, I think Ty knows. I, I back when he was coming out of the the draft class, I, I was a little unsure about him. But at the same time, I, between Lamar Jackson and Josh Allen, they had the biggest ceiling of anybody if they once accomplished all of what they can do as far as in their toolkit because. We saw in the Senior Bowl that when it would click for Allen, it was breathtaking because he has the arm, he has the mobility. Uh, you know, I mean, he clearly came from a pro-style offense. I mean, one of the most impressive things, and people will, will look at the fact that, you know, well, it was against the New York Jets. It, it was. And the New York Jets are, unfortunately, not a good football team. Uh, but I mean, 300 yards is is an impressive feat any way you cut it. And I think that one of the most impressive things with Allen has been his decision making. And if you can look at it 
with him throwing 70% completion percentage already, maybe between he and Kyler Murray, they are probably the two front runners for MVP if we're going on a short base basis of the regular season right now. I mean, you're looking at it from Josh Allen and Kyler Murray's perspective. They are just playing out of their minds. Right. And- Murray was my next stat. He's the first player um, to pass for 500 and rush for 150 yards the first two weeks of a season. Kyler's my my MVP right now, at least through yeah. uh, through the two weeks. I, I, He's I still a traitor, Kyler. but that's okay. I- <laughs> I loved, I love Kyler. I, I just love his skill set. I, I, I kind of called him a little bit like a Philip Lindsay in the pocket, but I mean, when you see him move, like he's so much like Russell Wilson when he's in the pocket. I saw him move. Cause you know where he played high school ball. Where do you play here where I live? Okay. And then do you know where he played college ball? He played college ball at Oklahoma who I'm a fan of, Mm -hmm. but he was supposed to sign and did sign a contract for my baseball team, the Oakland A's, but then decided he was still going to go in the NFL. Is he really a trader though? If you played for Oklahoma, he has a point for my high school team, but you (laughs) promised to play for my baseball team. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I know. He, he is definitely the clear cut frontrunner in my opinion for MVP. I mean, the guy is just such a magician in the pocket. I mean, he literally, we, we were praising what Lamar Jackson was doing last year. Right. And, And, and him winning MVP, just take what Lamar Jackson was doing to what Lamar or to what Kyler Murray is doing this year. The guy is just taking what he's done with Cliff Kingsbury and it has been just an absolute match made in heaven between the two. And like the, the guy is clearly able to rush for a lot of yardage and make a lot of decision-making and accurate passes in the pocket, which, which you guys know, uh, was was one of his skill sets even at Oklahoma. I mean, he has he had an exceptional ability to throw on the run, be very accurate, deadly accurate with it to the point with, you know, you had no idea what to do. You had no idea whether to honor the run when he can take off or whether he could throw on you know, throw it 70 yards down the field because he had such a strong arm as well. So I mean, the guy is literally a total package for being such a small uh, just a small quarterback. And so really, he really, to be quite honest with you, he's like he's like a Russell Wilson, just with exceptional mobility. So I was going to throw Minshew out because he had 480 yards and 30 points, but he did not look that good last last night. No, he, he kind the of... The Sunday he looked good. The following Thursday he did not. He pooped the bed. So, but the Wilson and Cam shootout was fun. It was fun. It was especially fun getting to see Cam Newton stopped one yard short of winning the game. Is it awkward for you guys seeing Cam Newton in a Patriots uniform? I called it like the minute Brady left New England. But is it awkward though? Is it awkward though? I cannot imagine the personality that Cam portrays himself to have meshing with the personality Billichick portrays himself to have. When I think of that, when I think of 
ability trying to conversate with Cam, I just cannot see that ever going well. Yeah. Now, Belichick has dealt with Gronks and with 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 Wes Welkers and with you know Julian Edelman's and yeah yeah and and, and Aki Talibs and and you know so yeah. he 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 might know how to adjust, but the 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 portrayal of the Cheatriots and the seriousness and even Gronk going football wasn't fun. This isn't mm-hmm. fun to show up. For, for Bella Sheet. Watch the film. Do your practice. Do your workout. Nah, 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 nah. You know, versus Cam, who spends a lot of money to get dressed very poorly. Putting it lightly. <laughs> I don't know who is stealing from that man to dress him like that, but you... you 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 should, you should give him some money back because it is for rip the and <laughs> um, so I mean I you know I we talked about this in the first pod first episode where yeah it's weird it's weird to it's weird these people in different places yeah yeah I, uh, oh because it went back to the tweet where someone asked the first game of the season, the the Chiefs and the Texans, someone tweeted and said, where is Hopkins? And I replied, "Um, Arizona. Because it's hard to keep everybody straight now. Yeah. Particularly the year that we're in right now. (laughs) Right. And it's like, what, who, what, you know, I forget where people are. It's like, oh yeah, he doesn't, He's not where my mind wants to stick him. So mm-hmm. um, sports jeopardy in about 20 years is going to be very interesting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Particularly when you get to the 2020 year. Um, so the, the other little tid, I have two more little tidbits about around the NFL. Um, the, the article came out that refs are told to call only clear and obvious penalties. So there have been much fewer penalties. We have the fewest penalties since 2002, and that's when the league expanded to 32 teams. Um, can I, can I teams go are the, scoring uh, an average of 50.1 points, which is the highest since the 1970 merger. Can I go to the, the Denver Nuggets and Los Angeles Lakers, please? Series, please? I, I, I only ask. Uh, is it uh, hard to beat the baby in his tears because the <laughs> NBA lets him get away with stuff? Apparently. <laughs> but no, I, I think for the NFL's thing, I that's surprising. I mean, because uh, they're letting him play. I mean, they're, they're letting him play. Um, well, the NFL very much wants to copy the NCAA specifically the big 12 where you start seeing basketball scores instead of football scores. Yep. I mean, you cannot keep this generation engaged in a good defensive battle. You can't. Mm-hmm. And, and the most, the most I hear about our Denver Bronco games is that they're boring. Nothing happens. And I'm like, no defenses are working and defenses matter. <laughs> defenses but- win championships. 
Yes. Defenses win championships. But they they really want the high flying, big catches, the long runs, and you know they have changed so many rules to favor the offense versus the defense. And I often sound like, you know, the old get off my lawn man, (laughs) you know, because the NBA has done it too. Because no one, and I love, I love my Warriors and I love Steph Curry and I love Clay Thompson, but they went last three games against the nineties Detroit Pistons. Mm -mm. And, you know, Michael Jordan whined a lot about those Pistons and how physical their play was. Yep. Yeah. So, um, you know, the people going, Oh, Jordan does it. He's the greatest. The baby does it. And he's crying. Yeah, he is because the rules have already been changed in his favor. And he already gets to take seven steps with the ball and not get called for a travel. Yeah. And he asked for it too. (laughs) He wrote a letter. (laughs) <laughs> yes. Well, that, and that's just, I can't stand the, the freaking rockets when they, when they wrote the letter about the unfairness of their, their calls and like had a spreadsheet and a whole freaking thesis they sent in because they can't beat the Warriors because flopping is not going to win you a championship game, Harden. No. But yeah. I digress. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know the minute I open up a Nuggets and Lakers series, it it opens up that huge can. <laughs> yeah. I'm a sports fan, and I've got lots of opinions about my sports. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is why it makes a good podcast because I've got stuff to say. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Keeping me focused, little difficult. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think that uh, it's just it's one of those things that we just kind of have to just kind of, I don't know, wait, just kind of wait and see, I guess. I mean, I don't know. Go ahead, Ty. You can, if you want to take this one too. Um, yeah, I would say with all the less calls being played, it, that's kind of, I kind of do like the fact that they're letting them play it out. And if like, if it's something completely obvious, they're going to call it. Um, and on this podcast, I've complained numerous times about how there's no no calls and how this and that. Mostly if it's very obvious and they're not doing it. But in a sense, I'm kind of okay with it as long as it's like not obvious and the ref just blatantly misses it. But, I mean, I think this way it helps the game go a little bit faster, especially in these times. Like, we don't want these guys engaging as much because we don't want anyone getting sick from this COVID-19 pandemic that's going on. So I want to say that might turn into the reason why they're just letting them play it out just to get, get the game over quickly. But I, I could be wrong. Um, Well, the refs didn't have a preseason either. So I talked about this. Mm -hmm. So it is hard when you've not sat the refs down to go, this is the consistency of play we're looking for. So it seems like the general consensus has been, if it is clear and obvious, you must call it. But the ticky tacky plays that can kind of go either way, we can't lose a game on that this year. We should never lose a game on that. But this year it would be worse. Yeah. Yeah. I, and, you know, I, I think it's just on. I, I think that for the NFL's sake, it's very disappointing 
to what you were talking about, Kelly. I mean, with the the the, the Chiefs in particular. I mean, if we want to pinpoint one team, I mean, that's kind of what they're going toward. And unfortunately, the NFL has kind of molded itself in just this short amount of time because. Mahomes has taken the league by fire, and he's a tremendous athlete. He's a tremendous. Well, player. and like you know, you want the players like, like Jackson and Cam and Murray. Exactly, They're right. trying to get that to be right. The norm. Right, and yeah, and, and so I just think that, and I think that that's where the Broncos, and prayers and fingers crossed <laughs> with Drew Locke and everything. But our offense is is headed in that direction. But also with Vic Fangio at the helm, we can still combat that with that defensive aspect and stop those offenses. And so I mean, so I I give just the credit that okay, we're ourselves the Broncos are going to a offensive system to put up those points going forward. So, uh, but I mean, as far as just the league and everything else you still have to call what's on the field. Like you absolutely, you, you, you cannot, and I, I hate to phrase it this way, but you, you cannot do any favoritism. You cannot do any, and it's been my biggest gripe in any sport. You can't show any favoritism. You can't show any sort of superstar treatment as much as you, as, as it's there. You know I mean? You, you have to try and tote that line to be as unbiased as possible in every single game. And unfortunately, we're never going to get to that point because whether it is the NFL or whether it is the NBA, especially the NBA, uh, you know, or maybe even sometimes in the MLB with the strike zone, I mean, it, it's sometimes going to be to that point, right? Like where you're going to see. Well, they just can't away. have it both ways. They can't say, hey, we're going to let them play. But, hey, we don't want any injuries. Because if you let it get to be a sloppy game, and if you let – and we've seen this before, even with very strict penalties being called. If you let it get ugly in the trenches and the pushing and shoving, that's where there's escalation, and yeah. that's when the dirty hits start coming. And I think that that's where the referees will have to take more of an emphasis. because So it- where – you know, I'm a firm believer in the if you're not holding, you're not try, trying mantra, and that if you stop any NFL play, you can find holding. In the, yeah, so really if it's being called consistently, where yeah, everyone's kind of holding and everyone's just kind of playing, and the refs are cool with it, it's when the refs suddenly start. Oh, that's holding against this team. That's holding against this team, and you can see the other team doing the same thing. That can't happen, and that that unfortunately is what tends to happen. And that's the favoritism, and, and, and yes. yeah, yeah, and and that can't happen. And I, I don't know. And obviously, the word favoritism is is something that I I unfortunately just am really passionate about because there should be no favoritism whatsoever at all. And I don't think the NFL, except for, um, I think the Saints get a lot of calls they shouldn't get. And of course, the Cheatriots and and Sistom have always gotten calls that they shouldn't well, get. And what's the um, one thing? What's the one the, thing? Well, I was going to say, what's the, the one? NBA is just ridiculous. But the one well, I was going to say too, the one thing we see in football though, is what's the one thing that we see where there's probably the most favoritism as far as calls? That's the roughing the passer. 
or or the 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 blows to the um well like like the call against um dino johnson i always want to call him hamilton (laughs) johnson you know the guy turned around it wasn't a block in the back the guy turned around what what is again i don't know why the nfl thinks you can stop at 12 miles per hour, 280 pounds of trajectory right. on a dime. It's not going to happen. Right. Well, and, and, and let alone too, if it is, and I mean, just roughing the passer, I mean, when you, when, and I think that that's to where the NFL officiating has got to come to some sort of, you know, discussion to where you, I mean, you can't exactly review every single penalty, right? No, but I they've mean, got to stop on the broadcast. On the broadcast, the uh, officials on the field will will call something so ticky tacky that even the announcers can't really find justification for it. But they got the the, the referee up there that explains the rule and says, "Yes, that's a penalty." And I think it was Monday night where someone said, so you're just going to be a company man tonight. Yeah. So the NFL has to stop with this, 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 the announcers can't say anything bad. The, the referee, we, we stick in the booth to explain the calls. Can't say anything bad. We can never say our officiants are wrong. They're yeah. human. Of course they're wrong sometimes. Right. They're human. And I think that <laughs> they, they absolutely have. To, I think that, myself calling high school games. I mean, I I'm going to call it like it is. I mean, like, I'm not going to just say, you know, well, that looked like, uh, the, and if they said it's a holding penalty and I'm just like, well, that certainly looked like a holding penalty. And like, if that didn't look like a holding penalty, I'm going to say it didn't look like a holding penalty. Like I'm not going to, you know, beat around the bush and be like, Oh, that was pass interference on Michael Ojemudia when, it clearly was not pass interference. I mean, it's just like, if it was not pass interference, I'm going to say it was not pass interference. And I think that sometimes announcers, they, they fall into that trap. Like it's a trap. I mean, like there, there's times where, you know, I mean, where you do see announcers, really good announcers like Tony Romo or, or, or someone like that, where they don't care. Like they actually will say, uh, I don't know. Like, I don't know whether or not that was true penalty or not. Like you'll get those rare breeds where you'll get those announcers where they'll, they'll kind of tote the line a little bit and, and be like, nah, they said holding, but nah, that didn't look like a holding penalty to me. So, I mean, like you'll get some of those announcers, but more often than not, I, I agree. I mean, you, you'll get those announcers that what, and wh- whether they agree with the call, well then that of course, as a, as a fan, that's going to start coming out with the, 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 the comments of, I'll use the example, right? Because he's, he's been one of the most hated uh, broadcasters, you know, for Broncos fans, right? Phil Sims. I mean, like, I'm, I mean, like you're going to get the case of like a Phil Sims, right? Where, where he'll say what he's seeing, which is at least on his point of view, a holding penalty when on our point of view, it was Definitely not a, you know, a holding penalty or something like that. So, I mean, it's just, I don't know. It's just, I'm on the same boat where it, it, it frustrates me to no end as well. 
So our last around the NFL point for today is that in the game versus Washington and Cleveland, history will be made in that there will be a female coach on both sidelines and a female officiating. That is the first time ever in the 100-year history of the NFL. I think that's so really the Browns exciting. have uh, Kelly Brownson in her first year as um, as as chief of staff. It's her first year as head coaches head coach Kevin Stefanski's chief of staff, which is a really long title that I think would be hard to fit on a business card. (laughs) 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 And Jennifer King in Washington is a full, is a full season intern working on the offensive side of the ball there for the uh, team formerly known as the Redskins. Um, The Washington football team. (laughs) And then uh, Sarah Thomas, you know, it is, is officiating. So, I think that's uh, I, I think it's exciting I, for my I think it's just really exciting because I mean like we we see it sometimes even the, in the NBA now I mean like you know Becky Hammond was an assistant coach uh, for the San Antonio Spurs and I, with some Colorado ties obviously but and and then you start to see some female referees and actually I'd probably say the NBA is one of the few sports where you do see more of like those those female um, like more of a female presence, like the one, well, like the female referees and, 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 you know, the stuff like that. And I, I think, and, and I think it was first started with, was it the, who, what was her name from the San Francisco 49ers that started it last year? Katie Sowers. Yeah. She, I, I think that, uh, you know, she kind of started this whole trend and, and potential or not that it probably wasn't there initially, but I mean, when, she really started this whole trend and I, I think that it's, it's really, I think it's, it's just, it's, it's a nice change to be honest. Well, let's hope it's not a trend and something where as a female that has loved football since she was very young, you're, you're it right. just becomes part of the NFL that females right. can love football and be part of the game. You're right. Trend is probably a wrong word. Uh, but because uh, I mean, at the end of the day, women belong in sports. I mean, women are more than qualified with their sports takes and everything else to be qualified with everything as far as just sports in general. I mean, Ty knows we have a writer over on predominantly orange named Shelby Manning. She is incredible with her content. And, and I mean, she, she will probably, and, and and her being married to a, a a high school football coach, I mean, she will still have a conversation and maintain a conversation of football knowledge and everything else. And of course, you know, you guys having a podcast together. I mean, like, it there there is that there is still that you know where women belong in sports. They have their ideas and great ideas. Like they have their great ideas to even belong in in, in sports. So I love it. I I, I personally love it. Yeah, definitely. Um, like you said, with Shelby. Uh, <laughs> Shelby <Hannon. laughs> oh, focus. Should we, tell, should we tell her that? Should we tell her that? that well, you, this, they, they, I mean, this is 
Was she not here? <laughs> she listens to the podcast, so she'll probably hear this eventually. Okay, so not Shelby Harris, Shelby Manning. She and I have collaborated on so many projects at Promi Orange, and I would definitely say her and Kelly are like my top two females that I go to if like right. I have like questions about like sports or like I need their opinion on something involving sports. Like right. what do you think? And right. just both Kelly and Shelby's expansive knowledge. I think I even mentioned this over the summer when there was something going on that those two women, and I know you're listening right now, Kelly, but <laughs> those two women were are like have been such a big have made such a big impact for me ever since like I've started writing here yeah. predominantly orange and even coming up with the podcast. So I can go to Shelby when it comes to, like writing projects I can go to Kelly when we need to collaborate on stuff involving the podcast. So right. women in sports is definitely a really great thing. It doesn't, it doesn't matter where it comes from. Like it, it doesn't matter where a, a sports take or whatever it comes from. If it's logical and if it's concise and if it makes sense more, you know, then it doesn't matter where it comes from. You know, I mean, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter where it comes from. So this, we have to say goodbye to Cameron, um, but he helped lead us into our next segment, Fit to be Tied, because Ty actually has a lot more to say about this. Yes, I do. So Cameron, we want to thank you for having you on. We want to thank you for coming on to our show. And a little incomplete history as being our first guest on the show. No, thank you guys so much for having me. And, um, you know, hopefully we can do this again soon. And sorry if I ended up talking too much um, and, and everything on the, the podcast. I apologize. No, don't apologize. Uh, we talk a lot, just the two of us. So <laughs> I, I, I know the feeling. My, I, me trying to get Maddie to shut up on the podcast is hard. <laughs> Yeah, I'm usually the talkative one, so, but that's okay. It makes for great content. Yes. It, it, and it really has been really good content today. Oh, yeah. Without guys, question. So. Yes. Thank but, you. Thank you so much, Cameron. Yeah. And hopefully Sunday afternoon, I owe you a beer. Sounds good. <laughs> so, all right, guys. Take care. Okay. All right, you too. Bye. That was fun. That was fun. Um, but I guess I do kind of have to talk about the what has come up as the negative aspect of what's been going on with women in the sports world. So as Kelly has mentioned, my fit to be tied. <laughs> any longer it's time for me to take action because i'm fit to be tied um this week happens to be on jason whitlock um possibly clay travis as well but i think it more relates towards jason whitlock because of what a he said and b what he has written um but we'll i'll start touch base on the right the writing part of it. So he wrote an article on, I believe it was the Outkick, 
Um, as most of you may know, Katie Nolan from her time on FS1, her show podcast called Garbage Time with Katie Nolan, and now she's actually on ESPN um, doing a couple shows there. Um, apparently, you can't, I guess you can't both have an opinion on sport and be good looking if you're a woman. So Jason Whitlock wrote this article on Katie Lowen. Um, from what he said, she went from a bartender to a seven figure personality only because of her looks. Um, claims that beauty, looks, and her so-called white privilege got her where she is. He also does mention uh, Maria Taylor, who is a sideline reporter for the ESPN NBA Countdown. Um, he didn't want her going down the same path as like a Jamel Hill or a Michelle Beadle, um, and even goes to mention saying that he she wouldn't have had this job in the NBA if she was short unattractive and grumpy. Um, once the article came out, Katie Nolan went on to Twitter commenting and mentioned Whitlock that um, about this whole, like, you are so close. It's like proving a point or something. It was something along those lines. And the Twitter supporters of Whitlock and Clay Travis went after Nolan. It was so bad that Katie Nolan had to make her Twitter account she had to basically lock up her Twitter account. Um, and just the amount of bashing that these keyboard warriors and these men in sports put on women is just so disgusting and so degrading. Um, and I will say, if there are little ones listening to this podcast, you may want to have them skip this part of the segment because I'm about to get really, really somewhat angry so i may not control what i have to say which i will do my best to do that so to jason whitlock the fact that you had to write an article about white privilege and women using their looks to get far in the sports world is small blank energy and i'll let you fill in the blank there um over the summer when this was such a big topic um about women in sports, the fact that my gender continues to discredit women in sports time in and time out is really starting to really starting to aggravate me. And that's me putting it lightly. Um, like I've talked with Cameron and with Kelly, like I've worked with some of the greatest women who know their sports. Um, and we already did shout out Kelly and Shelby, um, two women who I've worked with. Um, there's even some female fans that I conversate on Twitter where like, if they've got like, I'll listen to your opinion and let, if we disagree, let bygones be bygones. Like, I'm not going to degrade you just because you're a female and I'm a male. So my biggest thing is we need to start normalizing women in sports, damn it. And yes, Cover your ears for that one. I'm just so sick of the relentless, sexist, idiot comments men bring to the table when they talk sports. Especially the questioning of knowledge of women in sports is just flat out mind boggling. Um, there are times where I'm not even afraid to admit 
a woman knows more about sports than I do, I actually really respect that. And it allows me to gain a little bit more knowledge from the female perspective. Um, And I'm not, I'm I'm okay with that. I'm okay to admit that there are sometimes women know better than I do. That's perfectly fine. Um, So I stand by Katie Nolan, Maria Taylor, and all the women working, working their butts off in sports. And I say, keep working hard, ladies. Jason Whitlock, you sicken me. In a sense, I guess, Clay Travis for helping out with that. You're no better. We as men need to get better. I've had enough with the sports sexist BS. And that's all I'm going to say about that. Because I have a feeling I'm going to get really, really angry. So I should just count to 10 and just realize that there are some men in this world that basically have no problem degrading women. And it's a sad world we live in. Um, the interesting thing about Whitlock and Tyler Taylor is that this goes back. She says this started way back when she was on the sideline and he would say, can't your, can't your sideline, can't your producer give you better questions? And she at one point had to call him out and go, I don't have a producer. I'm out here. I'm thinking of my own questions. I'm asking these questions. Um, So that's been like years in the making. Um, As for the women being on TV, being pretty, well, who isn't pretty on TV? Exactly. I mean, even the men, like, you know, Stephen A. Smith and Max Kellerman show up in suits and they do makeup and they've got haircuts and, and, you know, they're not, you know, no one is showing up like a real football fan and a grubby t-shirt they've worn for 23 years and gray sweatpants and, and, you know, (laughs) holy lucky underwear. Right. I mean, this is, this is, um, and that's just a societal pressure that women are supposed to be pretty. That, that it, it's not just because they're on TV. They have to be pretty. They have to be pretty because they're women. And that's just something expected from women, at least in America that, that, you know, they look a certain way. That's why, you know, when you see people in Walmart that that probably could do could try a little harder, you know, they're they're thought way less of because well they you know they're wearing pajamas to Walmart. Well it's Walmart. <laughs> <laughs> so um and this this is something that that bothers me just because it's always bothered me. You know, I've shared many times on this podcast, I fell in love with football when I was eight years old. It is not something little girls liked. Um, so from the get-go, boys would quiz me. Oh, you like the Broncos so much? What's your quarterback's name? Oh, Oh, well, you can, and even, even now I see on Twitter where someone says, oh, well, name somebody when, when Manning was, was quarterback, you know, I got told a couple times, name someone who's not Peyton Manning on your team. And of course I can rattle off the whole roster, you know, (laughs) um, but I've sat at sports bars and had men get very angry that, that I can beat them at sports trivia. Um, it's just, I'm not sure what it is that 
this one thing men seem to want to keep as their own. And, you know, for me, you know, you can keep car maintenance as your own. I don't know anything about cars, <laughs> you know, or I don't know. I don't, I, I, I've never understood what it is, why I can't sit down and know as much as you or, you know, and, and we know different parts of football. I wouldn't say that I know more, but we know different parts. I'm a little older, so I've got a lot more history. I was taught by someone who played, so I know some more technical terms than, than you know. But when you come with the Broncos trivia, you come much quicker than the Broncos trivia than I do. Um, so that, that, that's why it's fair and we balance each other out. But it, it gets old being looked at funny because I'm a girl and I like football or I'm a girl and I like baseball or I'm a girl and I know basketball. It, it gets very old. And actually, you know, in seventh grade, I was the sports writer for the little middle school newspaper. And I was discouraged from, from following my dream of being a sports writer or being on the sideline one day because, you know, they're never going to let girls do it. So this is something I don't take lightly where you just act like because my mind is female that it can't, you know, and, and, and science has proved there's no difference between the male brain and the girl brain. <laughs> you know, the girl brain can understand just as much math, just as much science, just as much car mechanics as it wants to. I just happen not to want to. Um, <laughs> <laughs> sports knowledge, just like the guy can know just as much fashion or cooking or, you know, gardening. Right. Wh whatever you see as predominantly female it it can go both ways exactly um and i think that's pretty much i just don't understand why it can't be normalized that like girls can like sports guys can like cooking like i'm not afraid to admit i cook and i bake and all that stuff and it doesn't make me any less of a man That's the world we live in, and so that's that's why I said hopefully for now, and hopefully. that with 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 females on both sidelines, with women on both sidelines, with a woman referee, that you know it, it starts to become oh yeah, and whatever. <laughs> Normalization, that's the key. All right, so I understand that you want to sit in the commissioner's chair and play a little commish. Step aside. It's time for me to make some changes to the game. Princess Savage at your service. I am taking control and making a difference. It's time for Kelly plays commish yes it took me this long but yes <laughs> yes 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 so what i as your commissioner am gonna tell you football players 
and you coaches who redo this CBA. And every time it's time to redo a CBA, you ask for less practices and less time in pads and less preseason. So let's see where that has gotten us. We have the 49ers out. More players in the Broncos are out. Yep. We have the Colts out, their wide receiver and their safety. The Giants out, Squadron Barkley and Devontae Freeman. Without wide receiver Sterling Sharp, although he's just not Sterling Sharp, Sterling Shepard. <laughs> We're an association. <laughs> it's all right. It's all right. Uh, we have Carolina out Christian McCaffrey four to six weeks with a high ankle sprain. We have the Vikings out Anthony Barr with a torn pack. We have the Packers out their center. We have the Falcons without their um, offensive tackle because he has an MCL sprain. We have the New York Jets losing their wide receiver, Chris Hogan. Um. They think with the broken rib and their wide receiver, they think with the sprayed ankle, their cornerback, Quincy Wilson, is in con concussion protocol, and their center, Connor McGovern, has hurt his hamstring. Ooh. Um, uh, the, the Niners, I think, are out. Sherman, Debo Samuel, Kittle, D Ford, Jim, and Jimmy G. But I think there's a couple I forgot. Uh, Solomon Thomas is also out. Okay. Uh, Bosa's out with a torn um, ACL. Yeah, and Thomas also has that ACL. Yes. Washington lost their guard. Um, the Eagles lost their guard. Um, the Seahawks have Bruce Irving out with the ACL, and mm. Marcus Blaine needs knee surgery. And the Ravens are out Tavon Young. Yeah. With the MCL. So there, I know all of you are athletes and on any given day of the week with one hand and one leg tied behind your back, you could beat me in a race and a tackle and catching the ball and throwing the ball and kicking the ball. I might tackle better than some of you that don't wrap up, but otherwise <laughs> I know you're better than me. But there is a difference between being in shape and being in football shape. And while these practices are now very illegal, there is a reason why the norm for getting ready to football used to be getting on a bus with your teammates and Bear Bryant to the middle of nowhere and living through hell before you step foot on a football field. Yep. This is why the offseason in high school starts with constant running the bleachers, running track. You can't just show up and be ready to be tackled. Nope. You can't. And every year, less practices, more off days, less time in pads when we're not playing a game, less preseason. This we had the least amount of preparation for, and look what has happened. We are in, in Broncos country. We're Dove Valley Medical. Dove Valley Medical. 
Okay. So whether you like it or not, all that extra work that you keep asking to cut off cuts down injuries. It gets the rest knocked off of you. Look how terrible some people look the first couple games. Because they haven't played in forever. They haven't got the reps. They haven't, they haven't practiced. Um, and then on the flip side of that, we may not be stuck with players like Wilkinson at right tackle and Dotson as his backup, and we absolutely refuse to put Dotson in because we need better looks at the roster. And we need better time to decide if bubble players maybe really have something special and we should keep them or not. Right. NFL teams need depth across the board. And we cannot find that depth if every time you renegotiate the CBA, there is less time for coaches to do that. Players need real time and real game situations and coaches need that to analyze players. And, you know, I, I, I keep being uh, reminded of Steve McNair. Yes. Okay. Because he hated weightlifting. He did not want to lift weights. So he made, and, and, you know, he said his saying was coach, coach, coach. I'm country strong. That's different than football strong. I'm country strong. <laughs> and the coach said, I don't believe you, and gave him something like, you need to go do 15 chest presses at this weight or, you know, 20 pull-ups or something. Gave him some exercise that there is no way I could ever do. <laughs> <laughs> and he said, okay, so if I do this, if I do this, then I can nap during weightlifting sessions. And his coach said yes. And he ripped it out. He's like, you know, I grew up, you know, on a farm with baling hay and da-da-da-da-da. And he did it. And so, you know, teammates say he napped all the rest of the time. Coach let him nap. They made a deal. So unless y'all go get country strong, <laughs> you need practice. You need practice and pads, you need OTAs, you need real game situations, and you need a preseason, period. Where's my gavel? (laughs) Wait, is that a real gavel? Oh, it's a stapler. (laughs) Hey, close enough. Um, Yeah, I definitely am all in for preseasons because, like, I know, like, this pandemic's made it tricky to do anything. Like, we've had our joint practices that we normally do every year got canceled because, oh, uh, we don't, because the whole thing that's been going on in this world. But to analyze, I think analyzing players and giving them that, getting them back up to football strong using that preseason is really going to help them. The fact that we didn't have any preseason games, they're only going up against each other. And that's the competition part of it, too. Like, we got to see how well these players do against other teams. So that way it's like, okay, I can put you out there. um, Excuse me. I can put you out there knowing that you're going to make this play instead of, okay, like we've seen this thousands of times. You go up against the same player. Being able to 
craft and get better at the game involves going up against various players and seeing what works across the board. And that's why I am 100%, no, 200% on board with preseason practices. And if you, and I want to say this, but if you like want to take all these rest days off, then why bother playing? I'm just saying, I think the Bronx, the injured Broncos and the injured Niners should get together and play like some flag football playoff game. I'll, I'll watch that. Because it's not fair, dang it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's been a long going thing. And like in the bye week, they, they, they you know, uh, not comp, um, argued that they need five straight days off during their bye week. I mean, this was, this mm. was years ago. This has been a rule for, for, for years, but every time the CBA comes up, more and more practice time, more and more OTAs, more and more preseason is cut and it's not working for them. Mm-mm. And I know no one wants to be told you have to work more. <laughs> Right. No one, no one's sitting at their nine to five job or, you know, eight to five job. I don't know. I mean, I guess Wall Street still technically works nine to five, but, but, you know, no one wants to sit there and have their boss came come out and go, I need you to come in this Saturday. Right. Those aren't words we want to hear. So, and, and being an athlete is hard. The dedication and, 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 you know, I can, I can barely motivate myself to go do, you know, the same 5k I've been doing for years now around the neighborhood. Right. And there's a lot of times I started and go, you know what, today's goal is just to finish it. We're not going to worry about a personal record today. Mm -hmm. We're not going to worry about working on this stuff or when, you know, I go row in the same spot, (laughs) you know, sometimes it's just about, you need to do this for 20 minutes, whether you want to do it or not. So I couldn't imagine the, the, rigmarole uh, of an actual professional athlete Mm -hmm. but unless you can come with me and 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 show that your country's strong like steve mcnair could i need you to get football strong yes (laughs) and i guess on that note we shall close it out We've got, we actually do have two games before we're on next time. So we'll touch a little bit on both of them when we're back on the airwaves. So So one last hashtag FYTB for the week. Yes. Um, um, You can find me on Twitter at I love to lead. And you can find me on Twitter at TyFlyGuy15 on Twitter. I think I said that already. Oh, well. But We're on Twitter. <laughs> yeah. Find us on Twitter. Um, but until next time. Go Broncos. Thanks for listening to the Incomplete Podcast. Tune in next time for more Broncos news from two of your favorite fans. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and share the podcast with your friends and family. 
Go Broncos!